Well, hello and good morning. Welcome to The Main Point. Uh, it is uh, Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022, and uh, we are here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. I am the associate pastor here. I'm Jonathan Hendrickson and uh, sort of the MC of our podcast here, The Main Point. Um, we, I have uh, two of the other three fellows with me today. Uh, Jeremiah's out of town, uh, but we have our children's pastor, Blake Flincham, and our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy, with us. And uh, we're going to talk about the Sunday sermon today. Uh, and, and of course, if you, you know, you're tuning in, you know that uh, this past Sunday was Father's Day. And uh, the sermon was uh, sort of, uh, even though really it, it, the, the, the sermon, and I think you did a good job with this, Jeff, um, it, 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 it's not just for fathers. If it were, it would be very narrow in it. In it. But it's... Um, but there's there's some truth there in the Bible that I think is applicable to all kinds of people. Um, but it is in some ways. I mean, the title of the sermon was the instruction of your father, and it was very sort of apropos for Father's Day. And so the text came from Proverbs chapter one, verses eight through ten. I'll just read that. Uh, you use the uh, NKJV. Actually, I don't have the eight through ten, but I've got uh, I've got Proverbs one eight. I said. I think I'll pull all this up here. Um, so Proverbs 1.8 reads, My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. And then Proverbs 1.9 reads, For they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. And Proverbs 1.10 says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And so that's sort of the text that we that you you focused on, Jeff, uh, and, and I, we'll look at all three of those verses in turn. Um, and so to begin with, my son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. And uh, the first point you kind of pulled from this, using that verse as your text, was that the home is the most important place for instructing children. And I like that. Um, I think so often um, what happens is we we tend to um, we tend to uh, entrust the instruction of our children to a lot of other institutions, whether that whether that's um, uh, you know our schools, and we let the government kind of instruct our children, um, or whether that's churches. Um, and, uh, you know, we are one. I mean, we, we actually have a preschool here at Rose Sharon, and um, we're right, right smack dab in the middle of Vacation Bible School right now. Um, and and we, do, we do enjoy pouring into our, uh, the children that we have. But I would say even there, and I, I think you would agree with me, Jeff, and I'd be really interested to hear what Blake has to say about this. But I would say even there, that the church doesn't need to be the primary uh, institution of instruction when it comes to children. Um, I think it, it, it is clear to me throughout the Bible, and we'll see that here in the verses, the other verses you used, that it it was God's plan, um, and God seems to be God's plan and God's will that the primary place for instructing children be the home. Yeah, specifically, you know, in relation to God, first of all, and then relation with how you get along with each other in the home and then how you get along with other people. I mean, it's clearly laid out that way in God's plan um, because the children are going to be at home more than they're going to be anywhere else. And so right. 
Uh, they're the primary place. The school has them more than the church, and the church has them the least. So if we're dependent on the church to be my primary instructor of my children for their spiritual growth, mm -hmm. then your children are not going to grow, and they're not going to become mature disciples um, because it's, it's literally impossible to just uh, cram everything down to maybe 30 minutes on a Sunday or on a Sunday every other Sunday or maybe once a month or once two or three times a year. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So if the family's not doing it, which was, I think, God's plan from the very beginning when he gave them the Shema, that's when I brought that up, was right, that, right. that it was you, like Moses, like, here's this law. And, and it's available, but but you're the ones that teach it when you you know when you wake up and when you're on the road and when you're working when you're sleeping when you're eating you know all throughout the day mm -hmm. you remind your kids over and over and over you keep giving them these lessons and it's for the father and the mother you know to um, to instruct their children but primarily it was, it was the father's role first uh, to be the key instructor the key discipline person of the family yeah yeah yeah. And I, I like what I like. Uh, no, I like what you were saying, Jeff. Because we've got 168 hours in a week, and when we're talking about bringing your kids to church as their main uh, source of it, I get my kids' ministry on Sunday mornings about two hours maybe, and on Sunday nights an hour and a half. So. At maximum, I get about three and a half hours mm -hmm. with my kids out of a 168-hour week. Right. That's not a great source for where all your spiritual growth needs to be at. Mm -hmm. so, but you are at home a lot. And really, as a children's pastor, I want to equip the families to... Ideally, I want to equip the families to be able to share with their kids and have be able to have gospel conversations with their kids. And I love here at Rose of Sharon. I have a, we've got some great families who do that. And I, you know, there's nothing more encouraging. There was a guy the other day said, "Look, I've been doing a Bible study with my kids. Awesome. Makes that's one of the happiest. That's one of the things that makes me the happiest about mm -hmm. being a children's pastor, seeing their parents pour into the into their kids and. You know, I love getting to hear where uh, parents are like, hey, I've been talking with my kids some about what what does it mean to be saved, and they're asking me questions, mm -hmm. and sometimes then I just say, hey, look, I'm here of assistance. If you need help, I'll be more than happy to. So that's uh, that's what I love about uh, some of our families here at Rose of Sharon. They, they embody this well. So what would you say, I mean, to someone, because, like, you know, I can understand maybe if you're, if you're a parent and uh, maybe you're, you're – a new attendee to church, you're kind of just kind of getting into church, uh, uh, you're, or you've been away from church for a long time, and you look and you go, okay, those guys are all seminary seminary trained. They know the Bible inside and out. You know, they look at that. They look at us pastor. You know, they look at pastors and go, they know far more than I know at all. Like I, for instance, let me just give you an example. My wife uh, does tech support and does works with computers and stuff and and knows this language called SQL and, and all this. And if all of a sudden, you know, you said to me, um, okay, well, all the SQL training that needs to happen in the, you know, needs to happen with your children, needs to happen in your home, right? Um, you know, and, and, and my wife knows this stuff. I, I don't know. I'm just going to pass them off to the expert, right? Because mm -hmm. I don't know this stuff. 
I, I don't I don't really understand it. I, I don't understand SQL at all. If, and if all of a sudden it was on me to teach my children some computer language, I, 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 don't, I would feel ill-equipped to do so. And I wonder if there are parents who feel the same way when it comes to spiritual education. We say to hmm. them, right, we say, look, primary place of spiritual education is the home. And they're like, yeah, but well, I didn't go to seminary. Now, I, didn't, I, I, you know, I, I don't know this stuff like you guys know it. So what do we say to them? I mean, like, how? what are some practical ways that they can actually do what we're saying that they're supposed to be doing? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. Uh, and um, so I think I think the answer can kind of be twofold, you know. Uh, I think first, you know, if you're talking about a, you know, maybe your parents are young, you know, young Christians, and I think simply just kind of talking with them about what they learned in children's church and then seeing what they learned in children's church and then you uh, telling them what you learned in, uh, like, the church or, like, what maybe Pastor Jeff taught about and some truths that you gained from that and be able to share with them. And and the more you grow, you know, or talk about what you're doing in your personal Bible study. You know, I will say that having a personal time with the Lord for them in their own discipleship process, take the kids out of it for a second, having your own personal time with the Lord is going to be very important. And sharing with your kids, you know, what you talked about, what uh, you saw in the Bible there. Um, I think... Uh, and I think for some people, like at allowing the church to be like a uh, like a teacher of morals or something, that is, I think, why a lot of non Christians will send their children to a preschool at a church mm-hmm. or to a Christian education. They might not be, you know, fond or excited about you know the Christianity part like the legitimate Christianity part, but they know that they're going to be taught good morals mm-hmm. and they want their kid to have good morals. So um, I think with that, you know, you got to see, is the parent a Christian? Is Are they not a Christian? And I think you can handle it some different ways there. But with the Christian, you know, just doing your basic stuff, the spa- uh, basic discipline, praying with your kids, it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, as if you got the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you have all that you need. You have all that you need to do that. And learn with your kids. You know, if you're reading something and a child asks you a question, it's okay to say, I have no idea. Let me go talk to Pastor Blake, Jeff, Jonathan, Jeremiah. You know, they can get an answer. The kids will be fine, you know, because it'll be a good impression for your kids to see you not know a question and you own up to it. Mm. Then for you to kind of stumble through answers and really show that you don't know what you're talking about. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So. And, you know, when when uh, Moses gave that instruction to the people, you know, to, to teach your children every day, mm-hmm. um, they didn't have a Bible. Right. <laughs> it was yeah, pretty much, he, he's basically teaching the teachers, um, you know, the 70 people that they pulled out and the priest and all, and they, they're getting together and they're trying to learn what this law means and they're interpreting it and all this. But he did give a basic Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. which is basically the starting point. Right. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Um, make no other gods before you. Don't take his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. Okay, so why do we rest on this day? You know, well, we do this to honor God. Um, honor your father and mother. So your mom and dad, we love you. And, you know, you're, you're to honor us. We're trying to help you. And then, you know, we, we don't, we don't want 
Timmy's toy over there. Right. Uh, we don't envy. So, so the basics are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's just every single <clears throat> day of your life, uh, because now we have a Bible and we have a copy of it. We can get one that's in uh, children's language. You know, I use the NLT a lot when I preach because it's so easy to to understand and grasp right off the bat, and it's easy to read when you're preaching. But um, um, just when you, when you read, I mean, everybody reads stories to their kids. So make sure you have something like a Jesus Storybook Bible or something like that. That would be one resource. of the things you read. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you read, you know, Cinderella one night, and then you read that the next night. You, mm-hmm. So you're not saying, you know, just just create this um, go overboard where that's all you're doing. But in everything in life, I mean, even when you're watching movies and all, um, there's there's things that happen. You can say this that reminds me of what happened. And you use that a, a lot of illustrations from movies, yeah, um, like Lion King stuff like that. Yeah. There's all kinds of things out there where you can you can bring in a dovetail when you're riding in your car. You know, you could play Christian music, um, K Love or or his radio. You know, and the kids will hear that. And, you, and so there's all kinds of ways to help them. Uh, the main thing is 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 that nobody really is an expert. That's Jesus right. was the expert. That's true. That's and <laughs> so everything we learn and all, we, we basically just learn how to um, communicate mm-hmm. Bible truths in a way that uh, is effective for people to hear and grasp. That's right. Uh, and so same thing with kids. Then you, if you take some biblical truth or something that they're being taught anyway, and you you break it down to the smallest. Um, you know, way of kind of getting that point across. Now, there used to be a time when the community and the church and the school and even the government all kind of were on the same page with moral teaching and what was right and wrong and mm-hmm. obeying the laws. So we don't live in that society anymore. No. So really it's up to us to say, yes, that the world is it's out there, but we, we're different. And the reason we're different is yeah. because, we, you know, we're, we're Christians because... What's going to happen is once your kids get older, if you don't have a foundation, then if they want to go to Sue's house, and at Sue's house they're going to have um, the possibility of underage drinking or whatever may be going on, then then you have a basis to say, well, you know, we love them and everything, and uh, but but we I, you know we can't go there because you know we don't do those kind of things. Right. We're different. So we we um, in my house we you know we we've done we do things different, I guess. And, and, um, you know, everybody, every parent has a different, different style. We've always just sort of been grassroots. So what I mean by that is, is as this stuff kind of comes up, you know, as we're literally, as we're driving and Mm -hmm. my kids ask me a question or, um, yeah, we're watching a movie or watching a TV show. Uh, and there's a, there's a, there's a questionable ethical moment there I look for those teaching moments, um, and and it's sort of um, it's sort of organic, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by grassroots. It's sort of organic. Right. It's it just happens. Um, I wanted to. I, we so I know some families have like uh, you know a specific time of the night where you do family time and you read scripture and you memorize scripture and you know sing worship songs and stuff. We never did that. Maybe we should have. We never did that. But what we did do is we just worked that stuff into, we were intentional about it, but we worked that stuff into our day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. 
Because the way I, I saw it is I wanted my kids, my kids are going to, you know, I've got teenage daughters now, and they're not going to be, um, they're, they're going to be going into schools where it's definitely not Christian. They're going to be going into environments where it's not primarily Christian. And I, I, I didn't want to create this Christian, you know, this sort of Christian bubble, but I wanted to show them how Christianity speaks to the culture that we live in on a day-to-day basis. Right. And so I think it's really important to do that. But whatever you do, whether you do a family time that's scheduled, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, just it, it wasn't for us. Not, and I guess some of that was honestly, if I'm just being really transparent, I didn't want my kids to be typical PKs, you know. Yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to overwhelm right, them because right, right, right. Um, they're already in church every, you know, every every time the church doors are open, they're always serving and stuff. And so I didn't want to overwhelm them, but I wanted them to understand how faith intersects. The the thing that I would say is, no matter how you choose to do it, Blake, I think it's really important that you're just intentional about it. Yeah, I think I think you're. Uh, right on the money there and I think being intentional and also uh, talking about the why behind things as mm-hmm. well just so you're not giving off this uh, uh, this idea of just like going through the motions or just doing it just to do it kind of stuff you know like why do we pray before a meal right just simple things like that you can teach kids you know yeah. why do we well it's to remind us of our you know that God has provided for us and that he is our provider and we want to thank him for that. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, he didn't have to do this for us, but he has. Right. And, and, and yeah. And for the father and the mother, I mean, if they're not themselves taking their discipleship seriously and coming to church themselves to, you know, we don't come to church out of duty and all that, but the reason we come is we want to be around other believers so that I'm around other parents mm-hmm. and they're going through things that they're going through. And you got some kids, people with smaller kids, others with older teenagers. And so through through life, then you hear the stories of, well, what happened to your kid when this happened? And, well, this is how God got us through that. This is what right. we taught our daughter when she wanted to do this. Or So so the, the whole thing is if dad and mom are inadequate, uh, they... It's because maybe they're not they're not trying to develop themselves spiritually. Mm-hmm. So that's the foundation. Yeah, I mean, that's... They've, they've got to have that foundational core because so often in our church growing up, uh, for me and the generation was, it was all about salvation and getting them saved and baptized. And once that happened, everybody's like, okay, good. We're all good. Right. So I think there was this big gap now with the discipleship. And so... Uh, if you're just bringing your kids and you're not really getting anything out of it, but you're wanting them to hurry up and get to that point where they're going to get saved and baptized, mm-hmm. then you're missing the whole point anyway. Yeah, no, and I so, um So I would just encourage the fathers, don't feel bad because you're not alone and we're not experts. Right. And if you got questions, we would hopefully uh, be open for you to ask them and then uh, just come and learn. And uh, you don't really have to say anything. But you may learn something or hear something that you can then use that at home yeah. when your kid has a question. Yeah. Because they're going to have questions. Yeah. And if you can't answer adequately, then what are you going to do? Um, you know, uh, so we, you know, I've had parents before that uh, had questions and all, but they didn't know how to answer it for their kids. And you're mm-hmm. like, boy, I wish they would have been able to answer that question for their kids. Yeah. So, yeah. so you could just encourage people that if you're, if you're involved... You're trying to learn. 
Um, then what you learn then, you know, it's like us, you know, if I'm doing a quiet time or if I read something in scripture that really jumped out, then, then God starts working to me, then I'm going to share it. Yeah. So pretty much all of our sermons are things that's, that's something we've grappled with or wrestled with or thought about that comes out anyway. So yep. we're actually modeling it in a way that's right. in our, in our daily, our weekly sermons and things when we get to preach that we're telling people stuff that, that we kind of struggled with and dealt with. And so that's the thing is the struggle, the daily grind. How do you live a life? You know, there's a world out there. We are different and why we're different. Uh, but we got to have that foundational base. And if you don't have a strong foundational base, then reading that children's storybook yourself to your children will actually help you gain a foundational base. Yeah. So there's ways you can do it, and, and you don't have to be the expert. No. Well, and I've found, too, a lot of times when you're teaching others, you're actually teaching yourself. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes. Exactly. And it might, uh, you know, it might not always be on the material, but you're teaching yourself, you know, okay, I did not convey that well to there but i did convey that truth well here you know yeah. so you're always teaching yourself you know it's one big learning process discipling children and your youth or and for the dad you're not alone you got a, the mom too yeah right? and if you're both christians that's the plus yeah yeah that is the plus yeah of course we know that every home situation is an ideal situation or is an ideal home situation and we know that there are single parents and for the single parents, I think that's why it's so much more of a struggle. I think you're, you're, you're really feeling two roles there, especially if you're the only, even if you're not a single parent, but you're the only Christian parent in the home. Right. Not, now, and that's why I brought up the Timothy example. That right. There are exceptions. Like the ideal is the ideal. Right. And even the ideal is, doesn't work 100% of the time. That's exactly right. But there are exceptions too. But but for, for, for you to have the best opportunity for your child, mm -hmm. The ideal is the, is the best. Yeah. But if you don't have that, there are other ways that you can still teach. And like I said, then Paul became like a mentor and a spiritual father. So that's why the church is important too, or having grandparents or friends or family members or somebody that can be that father figure or mother figure in somebody's life mm -hmm. if that's where the void is. And yeah, I think I, with a, as, as a children's pastor myself, where some of these children, if we're honest, don't have ideal like like you were saying ideal situations especially when it comes to like a good male spiritual father mm -hmm. figure mm -hmm. in a way you know us as pastors me as their children's pastor almost you know we are that positive male spiritual figure in their lives and we come alongside the you know come alongside the moms and to help. But we shouldn't be yeah. the substitute. For correct, correct. No, no we shouldn't we be the substitute. We, we can't be the substitute. It's, yeah. like you we, said, we can supplement, but right, not substitute. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think it's a good, that's yeah, a good word. That's a good word. One other thing I would say, and we'll move, we'll move on to the to the next uh, the next point. Uh, but you know, when we're talking about, and I like what you said, Jeff, and none of us are experts. One of the best things you can be in terms of, uh, if you really want to. Uh, be able to instruct your children and be that, that primary place. You want to instruct your children well in, in, in their spiritual education is just be authentic, mm -hmm. be real. Um, Cause kids sniff that stuff out. Like if you're not, if you're not into it, they're not into it. You know, we see that even in vacation Bible school. If I really want kids to get into the motion, doing the motions and singing the songs and repeating the things that I, that I, we want them to repeat and, you know, get excited 
I gotta be excited and I gotta be really excited. Not just not just kind of, you know, not just playing like I'm excited. I've gotta be real with it. Because if I'm not real with it, then they're not gonna be real with right. it. And 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 so and that goes even with your faith. Like if you if your kids, you know, if you're just pretending to be Christian or you're not really being authentic. And and by authentic I mean like 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 you mentioned earlier, Blake, not just in your successes, but even in your failures, even even when you don't know the answers, it's better to be honest and be truthful and say, "I'm not sure," but we'll find the answers together than it is to just be something that you're not. And so, um, you know, the more just be authentic with where you are in your Christian journey with your children, and I think that's going to go a long way. So the second point that we're looking at here um, comes from the second verse, which is Proverbs 1.9. And actually, in the, in the New King James Version, it sounds a little weird because it says, For they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. Well, that doesn't sound promising, but we take a look at the NLT. I kind of like, or the, uh, let's see, uh, which one is it you use? The message has the, where their counsel like flowers in your hair or like rings on your fingers. Or Proverbs uh, 1 9 in the NLT says, What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around yeah. your neck. It's so like, it's a, like a gold chain. It wasn't like yeah, a, yeah, it's like like a, a burden chain. <laughs> the, <laughs> I think I'd say that. It was supposed to be a grace thing. It was not, wasn't a burden thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just talking about for somebody who yeah. didn't hear the, maybe didn't hear the sermon. But yeah. what I like about this is the, uh, the point that you're trying to make here is that both parents working together provide valuable advice to mm-hmm. children. What, 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 what the. Rather, the proverb I think is trying to say here is that that this instruction that we're talking about that you're going to give your children is not just something that uh, is you know you do out of duty or you do out of um, you do because uh, you know somebody te- we're telling you to do it. This is this kind of instruction is important because it's going to be valuable to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it 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 has value to it, and I think it's what the the writer of the Proverbs is saying here. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, the, I think he quoted Exodus twenty twelve here, Jeff. Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, I would I, I think there's a caveat to that. That this is the honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with promise. Yeah, I think yeah, you brought yeah. that out. Mm-hmm. But I think the caveat here is, um, well, let me just ask you. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll ask you guys. Um, what if my father and mother tell me to do something that is morally questionable? Um, or, you know, they tell me to lie. Or they tell me to, to, to shoplift. Or they tell me to... Uh, Hit my hit my sibling because they deserve it, um, something like that. Mm-hmm. Then then is it wrong? Am I am, am I am I am I missing on the out on this blessing when I don't no, honor because, that? Because they're not living up to the first four commandments. They're trying to get you to do something that's against God's commandments. So mm-hmm. there is there is a thing where uh, uh, like when Paul says, "Children obey your parents because you belong to the Lord." So in other words. If you, you could almost look at that that as saying, if you were a Christian, your parents weren't. How do you still honor them? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, because if you think about it, um, a lot of a lot of the people that became Christians, their their families dishonored them and 
cast them out. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not, if you weren't careful, careful, you could really hate your parents then for kicking me out of the house, and I lose, I lose my inheritance and all that just because I became a believer. Right. So, um, so I think, I think, um, I think the context is, is if they're living up to their end of the the covenant, mm-hmm. and they're they're providing you correct instructions, mm-hmm. then you honor them by following their instructions. Mm. So if they're trying to get you something, do something wrong, of course, then that is not, that's not biblical or not, that's not uh, something that you have to honor. Now, there are ways, you know, even, even in situations where maybe a parent was abusive in some manner, that later on in life, people have honored their parent or forgave their parent or came back and tried to reconcile. Yeah, that was um, going to be a follow-up question. Yeah. Like, what happens if I have a bad relationship yeah. with a parent or you know we're we're not we're not even on speaking terms because of yeah. something they did to me uh, or how you know am i still supposed to honor this person am i still supposed to bring honor to someone who dishonored me i mean how does that work yeah so it's, hard. it's really hard because um, you know if you think about it I, I talked about how father's day was the worst attended sunday yeah, yeah. of the year and i mean and it's unfortunate because you know, the Heavenly Father, Father, that, that correlation is made, mm-hmm. then a lot of people uh, um, look at their Father and then they kind of project that on the Heavenly Father, like, well, what kind of God is that? You know, He's abusive right. and right. and why, why did He allow, allow, allow this to happen? So uh, it takes a lot of grace and forgiveness and not everybody can do it. But if you get the healing and you can reconcile, you can't, you know, that's great. But you don't have to just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to have a relationship with them, mm. and you can still honor them in a way of that I'm not going to now um, speak badly of them or all that, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to keep my distance. But but you know, and to me, then that's an honor. Uh, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's really hard um, because you brought up you know that big. The big one right off the bat, but I was going to try to go in a positive way. <laughs> when you talk about this, this, these, these things are ornaments about your neck, and I quoted some other scripture where we're talking about hiding the word in your heart, right? And, and so I remember when Eileen was growing up, uh, her mom taught her all these little Bible verse songs, mm-hmm. and she remembers. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll do a Bible verse. She'll start singing a song, right? And um, but see, that was hidden in her heart, and her mom planted those in her heart. That later on in life, you know, here now she's, you know. Uh, using these little ditties that she learned as a song, but they're right. part of her life and brings up memories and all. Sure. And um, and even though her birth father uh, was not honorable, her stepfather has came in, and he's the, he's the dad. So he's mm-hmm. my dad, is what she says, and the other guy's my birth father. So, so she still honors her birth father in a way that she doesn't not... Uh, she doesn't have a relationship with him. But she's not going to talk badly about him either yeah. and, and put him down. But she is going to be truthful about what happened. So um, that's a difficult thing. And again, the ideal of, in the ideal world, um, you know, father and mother are Christians, raising Christian kids, everything's going properly. You're, you're building all these things in their life because it's going to be valuable to them when they get out of the house, mm-hmm. then if I've got all this stuff that that's been put in their life, then when they're facing situations and decisions, and then right. they're raising children, then they're gonna they're gonna keep passing through. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so it's, you know. Yeah. I, I, but I, life is hard, and it's 
messy, but you know, God provides the grace. Yeah. See, I, I bring that up because I think that that there might be people who, um, who read like say the Ten Commandments, right? And that because you know there, there are people out there in the world who don't have a lot of exposure to the Bible. They read the, they they know the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. and they go, "Well, to be a Christian, you probably have to obey those commandments. That will be." part of being a Christian and I can't honor my father or mother. I can't do it. I won't, I won't do it in fact, because you know, they were, you know, they were, they abused me or they hurt me. And so if that's what it takes to be a Christian, I'm out, I'm out. I'm just not going to do it uh, because I can't keep that commandment. And I'm just wondering, you know, well, as pastors, what can we say to that? I, I see why they might, Think because you look at other world religions, you know, it's about following rules, you yep. know, Judaism following rules, you know, um, Islam, you've got the five pillars of Islam. And so, yeah, I, I see where they're coming from, you know, I'll see where they're coming from. But I think that's where the good news of the gospel comes in. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, look, you don't have to follow rules to be a Christian. Right. You follow a person. Yeah. And that person has fulfilled these mm-hmm. um, that person has fulfilled these you're not going to be perfect you don't have to be perfect to be a Christian uh, he will come in he will change your heart uh, you just gotta let him be in charge of your life and he'll change you yeah uh, it's not always gonna be overnight uh, I mean salvations you know he'll give you salvation instantly but that process of becoming more like Christ it takes a lifetime yeah, yeah you know and it's yeah. never going to be fully you know, you're never going to be fully like Christ in this lifetime. Yeah. But he can come in, change your life, and you don't have to follow these. And also, it, I would also say, like, Jesus doesn't want following him to be like a burden. Mm-hmm. And following rules, just to follow rules, I mean, is a burden, you know. I mean, in the Old Testament, there's 613 rules to follow, you know. Right. You know, you go from 613, you know, we can't follow that. We can't follow 10. And Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor. We can't follow those well, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So from 613 to 2, even 2 for us is really burdensome. Yeah. And when you look at the cross, everything that happened to Jesus on the cross, even leading up to the cross uh, and during the cross, uh, everything, I mean, he was betrayed, he was abused, he was denied, he was spat upon, he was slapped, his beard was plucked out, he was mm-hmm. beaten. Um, he was basically, I believe he died on the cross and I believe he died naked. I think they, they totally took all mm-hmm. of his clothes off. Of course, the Renaissance painters put the little loincloth loin yeah, because yeah. of uh, and the sacredness and the reverence of but it here in the, the Ro- church. The Romans didn't care. No, no. and so, so, so everything, I mean, so he's up there in his shame. He's naked before everyone, uh, and even God, when He says, "My God, why have you forsaken me?" My, you know, and and so He even takes that whole forsakenness of God, um, where it just that that to- that totality of sin. So mm-hmm. everything that you've experienced, even if your father and mother were 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 not uh, honorable, Jesus experienced every bit of that mm-hmm. on the cross too, and He took that sin. That happened to you, but also he took the sin of the people that did it to you, mm-hmm. and he took it all on the cross. And so, um, 
I don't think necessarily you have to go re-enter into a personal relationship with your abuser. Yeah. But I think that it provides you an opportunity to, to have forgiveness and healing and understanding and knowing that you have a Heavenly Father now that, that allowed His Son to take all this on Himself mm. so that you can have it taken away from you. Yeah. And you don't have to carry that burden. Right. And so... So you could find a way to honor fathers and mothers, maybe not yours, but even in the, the church, you know, if somebody's been a father figure to you or a mother figure to you or a good friend, you know, make them your mother and father. Right. Show honor to them. So I think there's ways you can do that. Yeah. That that helps you if you've experienced yeah. that. Yeah. On the positive side, because we will let's go let's go back <laughs> to the positive side here. The good I, news portion. <laughs> yeah, the good news portion. But I, I um I, no, I look I I think that's a good question, and it's a question we need to address. But on the positive side, you know, um, I've heard you at uh, at preschool Christmas program and at, at, at preschool graduation, both mm-hmm. both those places. We talk about all the time about how parents want the best for their children, mm-hmm. right? They really do want the best, and so they want um, they they uh, they want them to grow physically well, so they make sure they get good nutrition, exercise. They want them to grow well in terms of uh, their knowledge, and so they take them to make sure they go to the best schools, or they've got the best learning resources. They make sure they do their homework, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, one thing I think one area we neglect is is this, and this is so important. Um, this is it's valuable. The Bible says it's very valuable, and so even though you 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 might not be uh, like I said, you may not be doing. Uh, family Bible time, but those times that you spend being intentional with your kids um, and sharing your faith together as a family, that's like giving them the best food or the best schools. And it's, it's still, you want to give them the best. Mm -hmm. And so um, like, like you said, with your wife, you know, having, having those, having those Bible verses stored up in her heart, you know, um, my kids, um, my kids still, uh, just the other day, it was funny. Um, they can still sing the songs from um, from VeggieTales. Ve- oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And VeggieTales was, you know, um, was a really popular way of doing Bible stories and stuff. It was an animated series with vegetables telling Bible stories. Yeah. It was comical. But they did a lot of music and stuff. And we used to listen to VeggieTales CDs like mm. nonstop when they were little kids. And they still remember those songs. Oh, yeah. The silly ones and the serious ones, mm-hmm. um, and it it set them up for um, for for understanding how faith like the, so they stored all that stuff in their heart, mm-hmm. man. And I and and so if you are a parent and you want the best for your child, um, you want it not just you, you should want it not just in their physical development and then their mental development, but also their spiritual development. You want the very best, and and the best way to do that is to be involved in a community of faith. Be intentional about sharing your faith and make sure that they understand just the foundational truths of Christianity. Yeah, I mean, and that, I was thinking the other day, you know, Jesus talks about a foundation. And granted, I, I, don't, it's, I don't think it was in the context of kids' ministry, if you will, but I think you can apply that to kids' ministry, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, if you build your house on the rock, 
it's going to be good. If you build it on the sand, it's not going to be good. Right. You don't want your child to have a foundation that's on the sand. Mm-hmm. You want your child to have a foundation that's on the rock. Yeah. And and this gets to that third point. And yeah. the, because the reason why you want to you want to shore up that foundation, the reason why you want to spend time being intentional with your kids and and, and instructing them uh, and, and teaching them about what Je- the, the very gospel we were just talking about just a moment ago about how Jesus you know took our sins on himself is because um, even though you might give them that godly instruction, there's a ton of people who, you know, we have a culture that pushes against that and others will try to influence um, your child. Um, Proverbs 110, uh, it says, my son, and this is the CSB, I like this one. My son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it's just a truth that we have, uh, we have a culture that is now bombarding our people, whether it's children or adults, so just bombarding them with mixed messages uh, of that you know of of truth, you know. And I put truth in quotation marks there. And I don't like putting truth in quotation marks because I think, as a philosopher, truth is truth. Yeah, absolutely. But what the problem is is when truth is when falsehoods are being sold as truth, and um, and 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 that's that's difficult. But that's just reality, folks. I mean, that's where we are now. We, the internet has given and the internet taketh away. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I, I mean, I, and I say that in all honesty because the internet has given us a plethora of information. And we I mean, we're able to be more connected than we ever have been in the history of mankind right now. But at the same time, because of that, there is a plethora of misinformation, and those connections that we that we laud and applaud, and we should, can also be used in a bad way. Now your kids are even more influenced. I mean, used to be, <laughs> it used to be like you only had to worry about like you know I don't know little Jimmy down the road mm-hmm. telling your kid the wrong thing, right? And mm-hmm. and then maybe when he goes to school. Um, you know, uh, he's got a couple of kid bad bad eggs that are trying to convince him that bullying is cool and stuff. Now, man, you got TikTok, you've got like you Instagram, got, you got Instagram, and 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 all these these Netflix social media and, things that they're yeah. all they're, they're all invested in. Well, and everybody's targeting younger and younger children for everything. Yeah, from uh, well, even pornography, yeah, like the yeah, the pornography everything. industry is now targeting like. Like, uh, you know, I heard a statistic about this, that they're now targeting kids, like, between the ages of, like, 10 and 13 or something. I mean, it's... it's mm-hmm. And I've so, even heard as low as 7. Yeah. Which is sickening. Yeah, that's, I mean... Absolutely sick. But, but it doesn't have to be that insidious. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but, like, even marketing experts and all, they want... They're, everybody targets children yep. because they want to get your... Uh, they want to get these lifelong devotees to McDonald's or, you know, Chick-fil-A or whoever it is. Um, and at the same time, you know, that's that's a form of enticement. It's like, hey, you know, the kid, you can, you can see which kids are influenced because of what they wear, you know. Yeah. They wear, want to wear their cool clothes. They want to be with their cool friends. They want to go do the cool things. They want to hang out. Um, but, 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 yeah, so, and, and then in our culture with, Especially with what's going on in the education system and all, and in this whole uh, mindset of 
you know, the pushback that's coming from, you know, the, the don't gay, don't say gay bill, whatever is right. like, they don't want a school teaching children, you know, about sexuality because right. technically really it's not the school's place. Yeah. And, um, now there comes a time when I, you know, I took sex education, I think it was the ninth grade is when they first introduced it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was valuable once you got, I got older you know, in high school and college, but yeah, when you're young and the things they're pushing on people and well, the decisions the people are making, um, it, you know, it's like if you don't have that foundation at home, I'm telling you, either the cool kid or the crass uh, person or somebody is going to try to take advantage of your kid and try to influence your kid. There used to be the case that even with, even with, I don't know if it is now or not, because it seems as though this stuff is being taught without having any any permission from the parent at all. But it used to be that if you were going to teach a child about like sex, you know, sex education, for instance, yeah, you parents had you parents had to had to sign a, a waiver that said, you know, yeah, my child is sitting in on this mm-hmm. class um, because of this. But, but I don't think that's the case anymore. No. I think I think I think the school system, um, our government is just basically saying we're going to teach your kids about what identity is. We're going to teach your kids about gender. We're going to teach your kids about sexuality. Right. And, and, um, well, you know, we're in quote pride month. And so it started off with a day, then it became a week. Now it's a whole month. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and everybody, I mean, it's like everybody, I mean, all these corporate entities, it's just like everybody has swallowed up and they're all part of promoting this. I mean, they're promoting pride. And the Bible says pride leads to destruction. (laughs) And they're cheap. Yeah. they chose a, a, a symbol, a rainbow, yeah. which was a symbol of God's judgment on the world, that, a promise to say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Right. So it's like, um, so so uh, if, if your kid don't ha- doesn't have somebody grounding them in truth, then once they get exposed to all this indoctrination that's out there. And there's a lot of it, man. There's just- then, then they're going to go with... They're going to follow everybody else. They're going to follow the trend because they're not going to sit in class and raise their hand and be embarrassed or made fun of mm-hmm. by the teacher or by the students. And so they're going to sit silent and they're going to nod and they're just going to kind of go along with it. Yeah, I, that, that's exactly right. And the thing is, is that uh, even if you are really intentional and um, are, are, are solid in teaching truth and stuff, you're 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 going against like a massive uh, tide that's coming back the opposite way and so you know you just have to hope and pray that the stuff you're teaching lands and 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 can and can create a foundation uh, and you just have to be consistent Um, you know I've had some even with you know, even with my daughters, I've had some really interesting conversations where we disagree on some things, um, and a lot of it is because I'm having to push back against a lot, of, you know, cultural pressure. They feel that cultural pressure, mm-hmm. and they feel like you know they don't want to be on the wrong side of, of of culture, and it's tough to be on the wrong side. It's you don't want to be labeled as being uh, intolerant. You don't or want to be labeled as being as judgmental. Yeah. And so, um, so you know, they they they're all about in that generation, especially, is all about you know we want to be unified, we want to be loving, we want to have peace, we want to have these things, and 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 this is the way we go about doing it. 
And it's caused them to ask some serious questions like, I just don't see how this can be the case, you know, how, and, 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 and it's, ha you know, and at times I've had to have some real serious discussions like, look, um, this is what the Bible teaches on it. This isn't what your dad teaches. This is what your, the Bible teaches. I can show you, I can show you where, where, where we're pulling this from. And if, if the Bible's teaching that and you don't like that, then maybe the Bible's not for you. You know, I, you know maybe that's not what you should be, you know, you know, and then of course they're like, no, 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 no. I understand, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving up my faith or anything like that. Um, but, you know, it's tough. It's just tough. And, I, and, and that's the culture, dude, that we live in now. It, it just mm -hmm. is. And it's not just, I mean, we're, we're, we're using that as an example. Well, there's a ton of other messaging out there that's just as as, as hard to push against. Oh, yeah. and, and look, I don't think it's going to get any easier no. because, again, we're more connected than ever before. And now it's to the point that used to, if you had sort of a niche belief, something that was just kind of, you know, really oddball, you were out there on an island. Yeah. But now, no matter what you believe, I guarantee you, you can find a cadre of people who believe the same thing you do, and and that will echo back to you what you know. And so now you've got these all these little miniature echo chambers of truth, truth question, you know, that that that's out there, and that is what we're trying to teach, you know, and build a foundation against. And man, it is tough. Man. And, and just because your kids, I'll add this, and I'll let you guys talk, but just because your children may walk away from uh, what you're teaching them or may disagree with you on what you're, on what you're teaching doesn't mean that you failed. It right. doesn't make you a failure as a parent. I think it's really important for people to know that. At some point, if you've done your job, you've done your job. You've, you've, as long as you've made the truth available to them, you're still there available to give them truth, give them truthful advice, be intentional with them, all those things we've been talking about. You've given them the valuable foundation at some point, they grow up, and and it's up to them. It's their life. They're going to have to make those decisions. Well, like for even Solomon, you know, the whole thing when I started thinking about this, I said, "Well, you know, Solomon really didn't follow his own advice." Yeah. And uh, and the more I thought about that, and the more I thought about Proverbs after that, is I don't necessarily believe Solomon was writing a bunch of proverbs for his children to follow. Mm -hmm. I believe that God had Solomon to write these proverbs for for me as a Christian because mm -hmm. now I'm if I'm a Christian, I'm a child of the king. Mm -hmm. So these are the king's instructions. Mm -hmm. And so these are really for me right. to try to live a Christian life. Yeah. Um and I the reason I added that, I could have stopped at the, the first two. And right. Then, but the teaching them starts with, and the first thing he starts with is, don't let other people entice you, you know, just run away from it, turn away from it. Well, it's all. all throughout Proverbs. I mean, yeah, all throughout but, Proverbs, he's like, don't be tempted. Yeah, don't yeah. Be tempted. So, I mean, that's the very, that's the very first one. <laughs> don't let foolishness. He, this is all part of introduction, yeah. and then he gets to this point. And so, uh, but then he didn't follow his own advice. But, yeah. but the thing about Solomon and his wisdom was he was, honest and truthful so when you follow what I, I think I mentioned about how Song of Solomon was when he was younger right. this ideal bride of course we right. know that's Jesus in the church and then the Proverbs like okay I've made a bunch of mistakes I gotta start writing some stuff down mm -hmm. so people will follow the truth 
and he, and he repeats himself over and over and over right. in Proverbs. And then finally, when he writes Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes yeah. he's like, man, I blew it. You know, I did all this stuff. I pursued wealth and prosperity and, yeah. you know, women and wine and song and just, you know, live this opulent lifestyle. You know, he would be, he would be the, he would be the Elon Musk type. Yeah, you're right, you're right. I'm the richest dude. I've got all the women I want. I can do whatever I want to, mm-hmm. but I really blew it. Yeah. And um, so I think that's part of the instruction with the children too. Yeah. Like I remember when my got the dad gave me advice, you know, my dad got my mom pregnant. He was 16. She was 14. And uh, so when I went to college, I mean, he, he gave me this advice. He said, uh, don't blunk out. Don't grow a beard. <laughs> And don't get, don't fall in love. So basically, what he was trying to say was, don't get go up there and start drinking and all. So you, you flunk out. Right. Uh, don't grow a beard because that's a sign of rebellion, being a hippie, and all that other stuff. <laughs> right. Pointing ahead of liberal college professor, and then don't fall in love, meaning don't get a girl pregnant. Right. You know. So he was he was in 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 a way he was. Trying to say, I made mistakes when I was young. I don't right. want you to make the same don't mistakes. Don't make those same mistakes. And I think that's what Solomon ultimately was doing with these Proverbs. Yeah. Was trying to help people see that uh, it's it's hard. And even if you did the right thing and had the ideal, and both mom and dad, you're Christians, you're brought up in church from a young age, and you go through all, it's still not a guarantee. It's not. Because... Um, and you that's why some, some, somebody's going to steal your girl's heart or some, some young man's going to fall in love with some girl and they're not going to have the same value system. Right. And all of a sudden there's going to be this clash and this conflict. And then what do you want to do? You know, and it's interesting you bring that up. Because I didn't see it in the, I don't think you actually use the verse, but the one that everybody brings up is, you know, train up your child in the way they should go. And when, they, mm-hmm. when they're old, they won't depart from it. And people take that as a promise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that that if you train them up in the way they should go, then they might depart from it for a while, but they will eventually come back to the faith. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. It's just not that. I don't. I don't. I think that's more of a guideline than it is a promise. Yeah. Well, and that's the definition of a proverb. You know, it's a general guide. They're general guidelines. Like yeah. for the most part, this is true. It's right. not a promise. Right. You know, it's not a problem. But for the most part, you know, there is a very good chance if you train up your child in the way he or she should go, the percentage of them doing what they need to when they're older is much higher. Yeah. It's not a guarantee. I'd like to have heard the statistics on that, by the way. I, You know, everybody talks about the, the you, you shared the statistics about if the father yeah. is, is a Christian. And, and mm-hmm. I'd like, what I really would like to know is the, the you know, if, if, if you have an ideal situation, you have mom and dad, both Christians, both of them are attending church and life groups or Sunday school or whatever, and raise their children in it, how many of those children retain their faith? How many, what, what's the percentage of, of kids that actually, uh, I think it was versus, se- versus, versus the percentage of those. I think it was 75%. I've, I've, I had a ton of stats, right? but I, rem- I think I remember that one, but if, if, if it was about 75%, so you're still going to lose about 25%. Right. Even in so, even, Right, even then. So, um, but, you know, 75%, again, it's not a promise, right? right? But it's way better than not doing anything. Yeah. So the odds are... <laughs> if you don't do anything, yeah. the odds are very likely that your well, child you, won't ever come to church. Yeah. Or so if you, if you look at our society today, right, uh, unchurched America, 
where a lot of people basically checked out of church back in the 60s and then it continued and continued and continued. We're living in a society now that is prevalently, uh, prevalently um, unchurched and, and, and unbelievers, right. even though they may claim to believe in a God. Mm -hmm. So we're reaping, we're seeing the results of not following yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, and it's every denomination, Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, they're all of them. They're all they're all reaping, uh, you know this this whole thing where dads checked out and dads aren't checked in, and so, and then when you look at society, um, you know when you look at uh, and I could have I could have used general stats about fatherless children out there, and uh, that's part of the problem that we're facing in in schools, place like that is. They need discipline that comes from a father, and the schools aren't equipped to be the, the father to discipline. Right. And and society's not equipped to be the father to discipline. That's right. And so so they're gonna find a father figure somewhere. Mm -hmm. And whether it's, you know, an older friend down the road, or whether it's a gang, or whether it's um, you know, um, there there's there's a that void's there and, and somehow or another they're gonna they're gonna find a boundary somewhere yeah and the problem is they want boundaries and they need boundaries but there's nobody there to give them yeah, yeah. so and I think that's really what a parent's primary responsibility is, is in a spiritual setting to, to provide boundaries for their kids yeah so that when they become older then hopefully they're gonna uh, pass pass it on to the the next generation too yeah well this has been a good discussion guys and uh, I've, I've enjoyed this and I hope you listeners have enjoyed this as well uh, we're going to wrap up here. Jeff, what are we talking about uh, Sunday? Well, since you brought up truth, uh, I'm actually thinking about doing that passage. It's probably the most, uh, I've probably preached it before, but I can't remember. The most, um, I would say right now, the most most misinterpreted passage in the Bible, the truth shall set you free. Oh, okay. Okay, the truth shall set <laughs> you good. free. I like that. I like that. So, so are you... Uh, I'm going to go with Jan the, um, July the 3rd, which is uh, the, our... Uh, Fourth of July message. Thing. Okay, so that's your Fourth of July message, right? Yeah. So the one before that, though, this coming Sunday, are you doing the Bible school? Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah, I went way ahead. Yeah, no, this right. coming Sunday, we're going to talk about Joseph and that that great passage where he says, you know, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. Oh, Genesis chapter okay. fifty, verse twenty. That could end up being a really good discussion. So that's kind of like the the last uh, day of the Bible school. All right. Anyway, yeah. so I'm going to do that for. Awesome. Sunday morning. All right. Awesome. Well, there you go. You got two previews there for the price of one. <laughs> I'm working on two or three things at one time today. So that's all right. Uh, well, thank you for tuning in with us today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Of course, if you have any questions about anything we've brought up or you have comments, you can email us at rosbcpastors, it's plural, at gmail.com. And we're glad to answer any of those questions. Well, until the next one, we hope you have a great rest of your week. We'll see you then. So long.